Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, tonight as we come before you, we pray. Lord, tonight, if ever there was a night as we come into this month, if ever there was a time where your Holy Spirit helps us understand you, your word, your motives, and all that you have packed in to us and into what we are about, oh Lord, tonight is that night and we ask, oh Lord, for wisdom and insight and understanding. Father, may the excitement for your word just increase. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you do all that you have planned. You do more than we ask. Give us brevity and insight. Father Almighty God, we just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you will do. Thank you for each person here. I pray, O oh Lord, that we are transformed by your word. I thank you so much for tonight. We glorify your name in Jesus's most holy name. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do this evening um, is we're going to begin a series over the next four weeks and we're going to be looking at one of the teachings of Jesus and we're going to break it down um, together. It's one of the, the interesting things about Bible study where you have the opportunity to literally just break down what Jesus has said regarding um, regarding something. And tonight is one of those nights. And so we're going to have a look at that. And so if you could turn in your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, to Mark 4, um, Mark chapter 4. I'm actually going to read for tonight. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic version of the Bible by virtue of time, but because we're watching time, I will, um, I'll start. And so you can um, follow along at Mark chapter four. And the Bible says, I'm reading from verse one. And again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake and a very great crowd gathered about him. So he got into a ship in order to sit in it on the sea and the whole crowd was at the lakeside on the shore. And he taught them many things in parables, illustrations or comparison put beside truths to explain them. And in his teaching, he said to them, give attention to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind fell on ground full of rocks where it had not much soil. And it once again sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun came up, it was scorched because it had not taken root, it withered away. Other seed of the same kind fell among thorn plants and thistles. And the thistles grew and pressed together and they utterly choked and suffocated it and it yielded no grain. Another seed of the same kind fell into good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielded up to 30 times as much and 60 times as much, even a hundred times as much as had been sown. 
And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. And as soon as he was alone, those who were around him with the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is the secret counsels of God, which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable. In order that they may indeed look and look, but not see and perceive and may hear and hear, but not grasp and comprehend. Lest haply they should turn again and it, their willful rejection of the truth should be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it for you to discern and understand all parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. And in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word at once, receive and accept and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. And the ones among them, among the thorns, are those who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. And those sown on good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept and welcome it and bear fruit some 30 times as much as was sown, some 60 times as much, and some even a hundred times as much. And he said to them, is the lamp brought to be put under a peck measure or under a bed and not to be put on the lampstand? Things are hidden temporarily only as a means to revelation, for there is nothing hidden except to be revealed, nor is anything temporarily kept secret in order that it may be known. If any man has, has ears, to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. For to him who has will more be given. And from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away by force. And he said, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground and continues sleeping and rising night and day while the seed sprouts, grows and increases. He knows not how. The earth produces, acting by itself, first the blade and then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe and permits immediately he sends forth the reapers and puts in the sickle because the harvest stands ready and he said with what can we compare the kingdom of god or what parable shall we use to illustrate and explain it it is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds upon the earth yet after it's sown it grows up 
and becomes the greatest of all garden herbs and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air are able to make nests and dwell in its shade. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear and to comprehend and understand. He did not tell them anything without a parable. But privately to his disciples, those who were peculiarly his own, he explained everything fully. Let me read to the end, and I'm at verse 35. So let's read from 35 to 41. <laughs> On that same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And leaving the throng, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting. And other boats were with him. And a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose and the waves kept beating into the boat so that, they, so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat asleep on the leather cushion. And they awoke him and said, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said to the sea, hush now, be still muzzled and the wind ceased and sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating and there was immediately a great calm a perfect peacefulness and he said to them why are you so timid and fearful how is it that you have no faith no firmly relying trust and they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said one to another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most, this passage of scripture is, is fun and games. And I say that very deliberately. It is absolutely fun and games. It's one of those things that when you begin to realize that the, that was amplified classic. So what version was that? That was the amplified classic. There we go. So that's the version of the, that's the Amplified Classic. It, it, when you begin to read the Amplified Bible, it's, it's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of fun and it's a great study Bible. And so remember what we said about reading the Bible. And that's one of the things I'll say first is remember when you come to the Bible, the following you have to do. Number one, read. Number two, study. Number three, meditate. Number four, confess number five do and so when you begin to get into that pattern keep that in mind and so when we come to the bible that's one of the things and so ladies and gentlemen we've perfectly come to our time of our declaration so let's take our declaration um thank you holy spirit for that and so let's say i take our declarations oh lord we are your people called by your name we humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, so, right, so Mark 4 is a loaded chapter of the Bible, so let's begin to break it down. We're going to have a bit of fun. Um, 
And the first thing is this. So I'm going to nip up. I'm going to go up to verse one. We'll, we've got, um, we'll break it in stages. So let's see how we go. The first thing is this. And the Bible says, and Jesus began to teach beside the lake. And he was, there was a very great crowd of people around him. And the Bible says, so he got into the ship and he sat on, on the sea and the whole crowd was on the lakeside. They were around him. So he was speaking to a large audience and he was speaking across water. And the Bible then says he taught them many things in parables. And so he taught them many things in parables. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm, I'm going to do is let me, let me break it down. I'm going to switch as we break it down now. I'm going to switch to the King James Version of the Bible um, as we work through it. If there's anything unfamiliar, um, we'll go from there. And so we are at some, okay. Uh, we are reading Mark 4, Mark chapter 4. Okay, so Rita, hopefully that, um, so we are reading Mark 4. Okay. Mark 4. All right. And so we've just read through Mark 4. And so this is what we're going to break down. And it's one of the, it's, it's a really, really fun verse. And what it does for us, ladies and gentlemen, it breaks down, well, some very important things. I won't tell you exactly what it, it does. I won't take away the surprises, but we'll have a look at it. Okay. So let's go for it. And the first thing the Bible says is, Jesus taught them parables and he said unto them, in his doctrine. So I'm, I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible right now. So notice, Jesus was teaching them things. And so let's, um, I have, if you have any questions, please put them into the chat. Um, if, you, if you do, please pop them into the chat and then we'll go from there. The first thing I want you to realize is, notice, Jesus taught them in parables. And the, the reason he taught in parables is when somebody presents a parable to you, although they are telling you some very important truths, you realize they're parables because they are stories. And they are stories that take everyday things to present spiritual or eternal things to you. It becomes easier. And it's, it's especially when you have a mixed crowd. Um, a mixed crowd. And so this is the parable that he shares and he breaks it down. Now, remember the group of people that he's speaking to primarily live in an agrarian society. And so we begin to realize that they're in, um, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a topic in all sincerity. So people have been asking for a topic or a title and, and I'll give it to you. Um, I'll give it to you. So what it is, is what we're looking at is we're looking at our relationship with God and we are looking at the parables. We're going to look at the parables of Jesus um, and we're looking at the kingdom of God specifically. So those are the three things. And so we'll, we'll pull a title together um, as we go on, but that's what we're looking at. So we're looking at the reality of it and we're looking at the reality of our relationship with God. And one of the, the reason why we're looking at the reality at the reality of our relationship with God is right now, ladies and gentlemen, things are changing thick and fast. And so that's what we're doing. So we're going to look at and so we're going to be very practical. It's going to be fun. Um, very, very practical. And the Bible says Jesus taught them many things by parables. 
many, many things by parables. And so what he did was he was presenting things that they needed to know, but he would tell them stories. And so he picks one and he starts. And the first thing he says is this, please go, to, go with me to Mark 4, verse 3. Mark 4, verse 3. And this is where we start. And I'm, I'm in the King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible says, hearken, behold. Now, the word hearken that jumps out of you first and foremost, the word hearken is very different from the word hear. Hearken means to take what has been said and process it into an action. But the so the essence is hear, process, and carry out an action. And so Jesus said, hearken. And then he says, behold. That means take a good look. Allow the picture to form in your mind. Um, and he does it in the most beautiful way. And so what is he getting? What's the first thing he does is he says, give me your attention. And ladies and gentlemen, as you come to the Bible, the one thing that, that works when you're studying the Bible, and so hopefully what we'll do is we'll break that whole part down. When you come to, the, to study the Bible is this, the Lord says, give me your attention. That means what you hear, what you read, if you pay attention to it, it you will get more out of it than if somebody just takes a cursory look at it. And so let me show you, you, you'll realize when the Bible says hearken, it means what I'm saying is important, what I'm saying deserves your attention, and what I am saying requires you to hear and to process. And then Jesus tells a story and he says, a sower goes out to sow and then he says, it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. So let's break that. Let me just break that picture down really quickly. The first thing is when the Bible says a sower goes out to sow, when they were sowing in the time of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when they were sowing at that time, what they would do is they would have a bag across their chest and they would have walked, they would have cleared their field so when it comes time to sow the seeds, it's not mechanical where now whereby it's all in one in the combine, the combine harvester or the combine, um, the tractors and everything. What it will mean is there will be a man plowing the furrow. So there will be a man with um, oxen, asses that will pull the plow. Behind those men would come the people that sowed and they would throw the seeds left and right, left and right. So it was not necessarily just putting it into holes. It was scattering across large pieces of ground. Now that means if the person was rather energetic, so it's like early in the morning and it's rather energetic and they started, they may throw the seeds further. And so what Jesus was saying is the sower would sow the seeds, but he would, it would fall in different sections of the field. And the different sections of the field would cause a different set of results. And so when he said some would fall, and he said some would fall by the wayside. Now, next to 
fields. So let's let's so we get a clear picture. Next to fields. <laughs> next to fields, there would be a pathway. And so people would walk, there will be pathways. Now, pathways would have been trodden through, they wouldn't be paved, there will just be ground that will be pressed down. Some of the seeds will fall on the pathway, and the Bible says that fowls of the air will come and devour it because it's above ground quite easily. And then he said some would fall on stony ground because they would have cleared the field to the best of their ability, but on the edges or different parts of the field, there would be rocks that they couldn't handle or rocks that were not necessarily taken out. Remember, these were single-person farms, or even if they had servants, we're not talking about hundreds. We are talking about 5, 10, 15, 20. And so the ground at that point in time would be rocky. The seeds will fall into the earth or it will fall on rocks, but it wouldn't have much depth. And Jesus said that it will come up quickly because it's very close to the surface. It will come up quickly and then the heat would destroy the plant because it would not be, it would have come up far too early. Then we go on to um, where he said some would fall among thorns. And he said that part, the ground was fine but the thorns and the plant would grow together and the plant would suffocate and the plant would grow and it would bear no fruit. But then he said, some would fall on good ground. And, he, and I'll read from verse eight because it's, it's very important. And the Bible says, and other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth. So three stages. Number one, it falls on good ground and it springs up. It yields fruit, springs up, and it increased. That means it produced more and more. And the Bible says it brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. And then Jesus pauses and he makes a statement in verse 9. And he says, he that has ears, let him hear. I don't know whether any of you have ever done cryptic crosswords. When you do cryptic crosswords, all the information you need to solve the crossword is in front of you, but it's hidden. So if you have to understand patterns and the way that the, the clues are written, without that you can be staring at that crossword and you won't know a thing and so Jesus said to him who has ears let him hear and so at verse 8 he pauses and he literally leaves them alone and they had a picture that they had to think about and that picture taught them absolutely everything that they needed to know, but they didn't realize it. It's like the fables that we used to read, the parables, and that's what the parable was. And so that's what Jesus does up to verse 8. Verse 9, and he says, he that has ears, let them hear. And effectively, the service was over. And so the crowds would go, Jesus would sit with his people, and he would just basically he would either go to a house or wherever now why is that so important because what happens next 
is where we come in. So ladies and gentlemen, come with me to verse 10. And before we get to verse 10, Jesus has set the scene and he's left them with a picture that they have to think about. And everything they needed to know was in that picture. And so ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you a story. And this will introduce what we're going to do for the next few weeks. And so ladies and gentlemen, please listen. Come with me, please, to a train station. And the train station is an, a station that you would recognize on your normal commute to work. And come with me to platform five. And platform five at rush hour is full. The time is 7.20. And the platform is full. The 721 pulls in and people begin to flood off the train. Some rushing, some going slowly. You had families, children, people getting on and people getting off. By the time the 721 pulls out of the station, there are five people left on the platform. Just five. The 721 pulls out of sight and everybody else is taken out of the story. But we have five people. Let me introduce them to you. The first lady, and she's a lady, is standing at the end of the platform It's not too cold, but she wears a coat. Her hands spend most of her time in her pockets. Her face is wrinkled, not out of age, out of concern. She looks left and she looks right. And when her hands come out of her pockets, their fists, they're clenched, and she's obviously a thinking person. She walks up and down a little bit, but mainly she stands there. She doesn't make eye contact with anybody else, and she stands at the corner of the platform. Her eyes are tired. The lines on her face say that this lady has been through a lot. She looks left and right as she glances at the other four people on the platform. 
She doesn't acknowledge them. The etiquette of a morning commute takes over and she stands there. She turns away a little bit. She says something to herself, but nobody hears her. And she stands. The second person is completely different. He's dressed for the city. There's nothing about him that is out of place. His outfit says wealthy. His shoes speak volumes, his watch speaks louder. And under his arm, he has a newspaper. Every now and again, he flicks it open and the newspaper obviously looks like something that tells him how much money he's making and he holds onto it deeply. But he, he looks the part. Every now and again, he folds the newspaper, places it under his arm, very disciplined chap, that he takes out a mobile phone, spins it in his fingers, he does not look at it, puts it back into his pocket and goes back to his newspaper. He looks wealthy, he's admirable. Nothing about him is out of place and nothing about him is cheap. He looks around at everybody else on the station. He does not necessarily see them, but he just looks around. The third person on the station, ladies and gentlemen, is a lady. She's very similar to the second man. She's dressed for the city, but she is not calm. She's agitated. Her skirt suit speaks volumes. It looks like it's just fallen out of the pages of Vogue. Her shoes make a noise when she walks, and she walks a lot. She obviously has earphones in because she's holding a mobile phone in her hand and she's having conversations with somebody we never see. The conversations tell you what she does, rates, times, availabilities. She reels off her skills and abilities two or three times while she's on the platform and she is completely oblivious to anybody else and she is restless. She doesn't stand still. She walks to the confectionery machine and she walks back to the edge of the platform. She walks back to the machine. She turns very tight circles, looks at the clock as the clock now has hit 7.24. She walks up and down. She's on the phone and that's who she is. And we realize that's who she is. The fourth person, ladies and gentlemen, is out of place. Her clothes are two seasons out of date, but they're neat. Her hair is pulled back, recently washed. It is not necessarily styled. Her makeup says that I used to do this well, but I haven't had much practice. She has earphones in. The wire to her phone is visible. It's not the latest one. She holds her bag in her hand and in her other hand, her phone is always open. Every now and again, she will look at her phone, she'll tap it and a smile will cross her face. You would really expect to find her in a carpool or standing at the gate of an infant school. She has that kind of 
persona. She really looks out of place. She knows it's obvious that she doesn't do this commute often. Standing next to the third person, the comparison is stuck. But she's smiling. And every now and again, she laughs. And she doesn't move much. The fifth person, ladies and gentlemen, is completely different. He's elderly. He wears a hat and he has silver hair. He wears a Macintosh that's seen better days, but not seen better days because it is poor, a poor one. It, it's quite a remarkable coat, but it's seen a journey. He holds a newspaper as well, but for him, the newspaper is more like the baton of somebody conducting an orchestra. It moves every now and again. And the one thing that he does is he regularly looks at an expensive but old watch on his wrist. But it doesn't look like he's looking at it because he's in a hurry. He's looking at it for another reason, but he doesn't tell us. He glances at the lady who stands beside him, the one that we could call the carpool mum, and we realize that he has very kind eyes. He smiles at her and she smiles back. They don't engage in conversation. And so we have our five players. The 721 has gone, it's now 727. While they're waiting, a voice comes over the tannoy and it says, to everybody on platform five, if you're waiting for the 732, a 7.32 has been delayed. It will now arrive at 7.45. Stay on the platform, says the voice. This elicits a range of reactions. The second person, the tall man, folds his newspaper, looks at his phone. He doesn't move much, but he moves a little. He seems slightly agitated. The third lady looks at the clock, looks at her phone, flicks on and another conversation starts. The carpool mum, as we shall call her, doesn't do much different. She stays where she was, she adjusts her jacket. It is not ill-fitting, but it is two seasons out of date. She taps her phone, smiles, and looks at the man. He doesn't move and he doesn't look at his watch. The first lady's reaction is noticeable. Her face goes red. Her hands now come out of her pocket. In her hand is a piece of paper and her reactions are uncontrollable. She begins to turn circles walking up and down and then she begins to speak and i know anybody who knew her would realize that she was actually speaking to herself but the words come out and she can't control it by now her face is contorted into anger and she says this is i knew this would happen i knew it would i told you you can't trust them 
The man next to her looks and he looks beyond him that, are you talking to me? And the lady says, I, I knew this would happen. I knew, I knew it would. By now she's walking to the exit. She says, you can't trust them. You can't. This is how it was. 15 years, she said, 15 years on an email, 15 years, and that's all we hear. As she gets to the dustbin, she throws something in that has been hurriedly screwed up. She leaves the platform, still talking. But now we have three. The time ticks by quite quickly. 7.38, 7.39. By 7.40, ladies and gentlemen, the people are getting ready. The Well, the train will come soon. They said 7.45, everybody goes into their routines. But then a voice comes over the tannoy. Can everybody waiting for this delayed 7.38, which is now coming at 7.45, can you please go to platform two? Platform two is... On the other side of the station, the train you're waiting for will arrive at platform two. The voice is impersonal, rather metallic. The second man now is staring at his phone. He doesn't take his eyes off it. His paper is slightly forgotten. It doesn't fall to the ground, but it slips to his side. The lady beside him, who is the corporate one, walks away. She really is in a deep conversation. She goes to the chocolate machine to buy something. She's restless. Her phone has gone silent for a while and she needs something to do. The man looks up and he makes eye contact with the carpool mum. Now, if you understand the carpool mum, she's adept at identifying things that go on in the life of people without them saying it. She looks up and she looks straight at the man. Are you all right, she says. By now, he looks at his phone. He looks her in the eye and he begins to speak uncontrollably. He doesn't want to tell her what's on his mind, but she's kind. He starts speaking quite quickly. He says, I was here this time last year. This is what happened. He points to his phone. He says, this is what happened. I was here standing at this platform. This is what happened. The train was delayed and in the time of the delay, the phone call came. I had the ring ready, he says. By now, his eyes are full of tears. He doesn't want to cry, but emotion floods up. He says, you know, I, this is what happened. It was during a delay. He takes his hand and places it into his pocket, his inside pocket. He takes out a neatly folded piece of paper. He turns to the lady and says, thank you for listening. By now, it's obvious he's about to cry, so he walks away to preserve his dignity. He walks off the station and he goes past the dustbin. He drops in the piece of paper perfectly neatly and folded, and he drops it into the dustbin and he walks off the platform. Now we are three. As the group now begins to make their way to platform two, they get to platform two without any events. The woman who is on her phone a lot is agitated. Her phone has gone silent and it seems she's missing something. The carpool mom is busy trying to follow the signs and the elderly gentleman doesn't lead the way. He just walks a few steps behind them. You find him keeping an eye on them. And ladies and gentlemen, they arrive at platform two together. At platform two, they're in for a shock. 
Out of a door comes a man who obviously has commanded soldiers. He comes out and he says, are you waiting for the delayed 738? And they look at him in silence, slightly like school children. He says, well, it's not coming here anymore. You have to go to platform 1A. It's not going to arrive here anymore. And he turns around. He doesn't ask for any questions. Go to 1A, he says. <laughs> this elicits a reaction from the corporate lady. She can't take it. Because platform 1A is the nightmare platform. She literally says and explodes. I don't need to be here anyway. I could have driven. My car is great. I didn't want to take the train. She reaches into her expensive handbag. She rumbles, gives around for something, and all of a sudden she finds it. On her way, walking back, she says, well, you know what? I'm not waiting. I have other options, she says. She stares at her phone longingly, thinking that it would ring, but it doesn't. But by now she's in full flight. I don't need to be here. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not poor anyway. She screws up a piece of paper along with a chocolate wrapper. She throws them into the bin as an angry child, but she walks off the platform, leaving two people, the old man and the carpool mum. They make their way to platform 1A. It's an eventful journey, but it's not for tonight. They get to platform 1A and lo and behold, the train is there. They both get on the train and they're sitting face to face and the conversation starts and the man asks, her and, he, and he, he can't resist it. He says, you keep smiling every time you look at your phone. And she says, yes. She turns the screen as if to give him a picture. And on the phone are a picture of two children and a man clowning around. My family sent me this. They said I should listen. Every time I listen to it, it brings me joy. She was about to explain some more, but then the train starts moving and the etiquette of travel kicks in. They get to the destination station and all of a sudden, the man looks at her and she's about to you know, say thank you, but all of a sudden he gets up and he steps off the train as somebody who's done this before. He disappears into the crowd of the sea of people, but now she's busy. She takes out her earphone, she puts her phone away in her pocket and she finds her ticket through a barrier that is unfamiliar and she begins to walk out of the station. The sea of people becomes a trickle and all of a sudden she's walking alone. She finds herself in front of the building where she's going. She walks in and she's greeted by a receptionist. Are you here for the interview, said the receptionist. Yes, I am, the woman said. Please sit here. She points to a seat in the lobby. The lady puts in her earphones one more time and the ritual starts. She taps the phone, she smiles, and then she puts it away. A rather official lady comes out of a side door that she didn't know was there. Could you follow me, please? The lady walks behind this lady and she realizes that now it's all about being corporate. She tries to remember everything that she has learned and it doesn't always come. She walks into a room and she's seated, seated on a seat in front of an empty desk. On the desk is a hat and a newspaper. And she finds herself comfortable. She sits down, she takes her phone out and she waits for the inevitable interview to start. Someone will be with you, says the lady. While she's waiting, a man comes in, walks in and places in front of her four pieces of paper. Say, can you sign here, please? She doesn't not want to 
be compliant. So she says, okay. And she signs all four pieces of paper. Thank you, he says, takes the pieces of paper and he walks out. The door opens from behind the desk that she didn't know was there. And in walks the old man. He has eyes that are now laughing. He sits down, he says, do you, have you done your research? He says, yes, the lady says, I have. And she's about to reel off all the things she knows about the company. And he says something, he says, what's our latest purchase? Did you realize what we've just bought? He doesn't let her answer, he's too excited. She's about to reel off her knowledge. Everything she practiced with her husband and in front of the mirror is about to flow out. And the man says, by the way, you've got the job. Her eyes are now like saucers. What do you mean I've got the job? He said, you passed the interview. Start on Monday morning. By now, she's in shock. Then he makes a statement. He says, by the way, when you come in on Monday morning, don't get the 7.32. He laughs to himself. He stands up and the conversation is over. She, the woman is in shock. She doesn't know what to do. But the man stands and then he says, oh, by the way, you have two children, don't you? Yes. He says, take a look at the contract you just signed. And she's, by now she's in dreamland. For in the contract, she realizes that her children's education is taken care of all the way to graduation. She realizes that the figure that they, she signed for is 10 times what she ever imagined. She picks up the pieces of paper and she's about to say thank you. And the man, just like on the train, is gone. Before he leaves, he hands her an envelope. He says, read this on the train. She takes the envelope and now she's in a daze. Her journey back to the station is uneventful because she actually can't remember it. She's quite amazed. She wants to call her husband, but she can't, doesn't want to put the letter down. She gets onto the train home and she opens it up. And in the train, on, in the letter, is a note. And the note says this. Thank you for attending the interview. And by the way, we've done our research as well. Here's a personal check that will pay off all your bills and all your debts. We're looking forward to you working with us. And the signature of the man that she had just met was at the bottom. She calls her husband and the tears flow. As the train arrives back at the station, the lady walks out of our story. She now has a job, her bills are paid, and all because she took the 732. Now, if I was Jesus, I would end like Jesus ended. And I would say, let him who has ears, let him hear. But because I'm not, let's break it down. And we're gonna break it down over the next four weeks. And the first thing, this is what Jesus did. And by the way, notice, I hope you realize all of you are standing at a station thinking, oh my goodness, what happened? What happened? What happened? Well, that means you have to be here for the next four weeks. Otherwise you won't know what happened. We'll break it down in pieces. 
But what I've just done for you, sometimes the best way to explain something is to demonstrate it with a story. Notice I have all your faculties. I have basically told you everything you're going to learn in the next four weeks. And you didn't realize. <laughs> I'm laughing. It's all on the podcast. And so let's break something down first and foremost. If I was to ask you, what was the one common thing that all the people that were on the train had? What would you say it was? Put your answers in the chat. Because, and I want you to think about the story. And in that, this is, this is the one thing we're going to break down today. And I want you to think about the story. What was the one thing that all of them had? All of them. Train ticket, I agree. A choice, yes. A destination, mobile phone, correct. All trying to get to a place, patience. <laughs> all right, a situation. They were on a journey, a phone. They were all waiting. They all had somewhere to go. They all had lifetime. <laughs> now you're going drastic. They all have a situation. They all had a delayed train. Fantastic. They all had a mobile phone. Oh, this is brilliant. Time. Ice is fantastic. Choice. All were on the same platform. Correct. Hands in their pocket. Yeah, correct. Opportunity. It's very interesting. So I asked for one thing, phone, patience, ticket, plans. Okay. Now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, time, notice, a reason to be distracted. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the essence. They were all on the journey. Correct. Let me put you out of your misery. All of them had a piece of paper. Did you notice all the three people that walked off the platform threw away the same piece of paper? The only person who kept her piece of paper was the carpool mum. So let me put this in context. What had they got? The key was in the first lady's statement. She said 15 years of service and an email. So all of them had got an email inviting them for the same interview. They were not all going for the same job, but they could have all had it. Now, this is the deal. Why? All of them had a ticket. Why did I say so? So that was something that I wanted you to notice. Notice, if you look at all your answers, you noticed everything else. Okay, somebody got it. No, 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 no. Yemisi, you got it. Phone, patient, ticket. Yemisi Zion, you got it. You got it. I have to give you credit. Got it. You got it. Well done. They all had a ticket. The ticket or the email was their key. So let me put this in context. Let's go with me. And I'm going to, I'm deliberately going here. This is what Jesus did. So Jesus told them a story and passed across information that they needed to notice. But because it was a parable, they didn't realize that the information that they needed the most was handed over to them. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what a parable does. That's what a parable does. Now, this is what Jesus did. He said, I want to explain something to you. And he said, but all of you cannot get it. All of you can't get the technical breakdown. And so what he does, we said, I'll tell you a story. So as you go home, the story will unfold itself 
And if you are paying attention to it, all of you will get to the same place. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what was I doing for the last 15, 20 minutes? I was telling you a parable. I literally have just retold you the same story that we read in the Bible. I literally have just retold you the parable of the sower. Now, you didn't realize that, some of you may have realized that, oh, that's what you were doing. Now we got it, we got it. We knew what you're doing, Pastor, that's fine. But that is the power of a parable. Notice, it got past all your defenses. And this is how Jesus uses parables to teach very difficult and very critical things. And it's, I mean, it, there was no other way to show you. And I'm I, 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 sorry, I was having fun, but that is what he did. And so the Bible says he told them parables. In the parable was everything they needed to know. And so let's look at, so come with me, ladies and gentlemen, to Mark 4, verse 10. And this is where we're going to pick up for that. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at this and we're going to drive home the things that this parable tells us. But what I want you to realize as you go home, I, I, I've never really given you homework and in all sincerity, I want you to read the parable of the soul. Read Mark 4 from beginning to end. And I want you to read it in maybe one or two versions. It will tell you so many things. And what we're going to come to do is the one thing you'll notice, the one thing that you will notice is this, that as long as the people, um, as long as the people held on to the ticket and followed the instructions, notice the lady got to a place of harvest. And so let me also point out, God never designed you to fail. He designed you that although there will be ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, the destination was always in mind. And so ladies and gentlemen, this is what we're going to be doing for the next three or four weeks. We're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. And what will it drive home? It will drive home the power of your relationship with God, how Jesus teaches. And hopefully, but if we can get this right, it gives us an opportunity to look at all the other parables that Jesus has taught. And so hopefully your study time will explode. And that's really our desire. And this is the power of a parable. So when you see Jesus give a parable in the Bible, when you see him give an example or a simile, you realize he's telling you things that you need to know, but that you may not be able to accept full on. This is what a parable does. And so as we go through the word of God over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. And the outcome will be that everything that God wants you to know, notice as we begin to talk about it, there will be aha moments. There will be things that we realize that were there that we never saw. And those things, because you have discovered them yourself, they will stay with you as time goes on. And so ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, I actually like that one, the power of a parable. I, you know what? If you don't mind, can I adopt that title? 
somebody sent that in as the title and let's have let's i'll accept that so the title for this series is the power of a parable <laughs> and this is the deal this is one of the things that i want you to realize and jesus taught this way this is how jesus taught all the things that they needed to know and so it's going to be an exciting journey it's going to be fun and there's one thing I want to do before we go tonight, and it's this. I genuinely sense that a few people are having a really tough time. By God's special grace, over the next three to four weeks, God will make a few things clearer. And he will help you to not only deal with what you're going through, but he will hopefully send in some light so that what you are going through will literally turn. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we are at Mark 4, verse 10. And I pray very sincerely for each person here tonight. I pray that <laughs> my prayer is very simple, that God will do one of two things for you. And I pray very sincerely that God will give you strength or God will give you a miracle. And one of the two will happen because the one thing I want you to notice, God is faithful. Um, okay, God is faithful. All right. Um, and so, ladies and gentlemen, so we begin. We are at Mark 4, verse 10. And so when we come next week, we will begin to break down some of the things that Jesus said. And we will also, and I'll also break down the story as we go through, and hopefully it will make you smile as we do so. But what I want you to realize is your relationship with God is infallible. God will get you where he wants you to be. And God in his infinite mercy will be kind to you. And so ladies and gentlemen, may God be kind to you this evening. Enjoy reading Mark 4 during the week. If you have any questions or you want to send in any comments, please send it to the ladies at, um, at communications and they will get to me. I really wish you the best. Um, I really, really wish you the best. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you next week. Have a wonderful evening, ladies and gentlemen.